It's Hall of Fame week in Dallas. Three Cowboys will be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in the coming days. Cliff Harris, Jimmy Johnson, and Drew Pearson. Rick Gosselin, longtime Dallas media stalwart, is here. He's also a Hall of Fame voter, and he will paraphrase Lin-Manuel Miranda, telling us about what it's like in the room where it happens. We will get the scoop from the goose on why it took so long to get these three legends into Canton. But first, John Tatum, CEO and founder of Genesco Sports Enterprises, joins us to talk about the sports marketing landscape post-pandemic, about NILs, sports betting, and you won't want to miss his story about a memorable plane ride with Jerry Jones. Finally, CBS 11 sports anchor Keith Russell joins us to guess the over-under on the length of Drew Pearson's acceptance speech this weekend. We also talk horror movie downloads and what to expect from the upcoming premiere of the Cowboys on HBO's Hard Knocks. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, along with our next level intern, Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Monica, somehow we have made it to episode number 25. This is a major milestone. Now, the number 25, I think of Joe Neuendijk and the Stars. When I go to the Rangers, of course, you've got Rafael Palmero and Mike Napoli. Uh, trivia buffs will remember Jared Saltalamakia with at 14 characters, the longest last name in Major League history. He wore 25 for the Rangers. Uh, Wikipedia, I learned from Wikipedia that Saltalamakia means jumping over the thicket in Italian. So we got that going for us. Uh, Monica is going to say Jamal Charles is her favorite number 25, I'm going to predict. But for me, I got to go with original Maverick, Tom Lagarde. Not only was he an original Maverick, but he was the original face of the Mavericks. He was on a poster that was given away on September 26, 1980, uh, as part of a doubleheader that culminated with the uh, Mavericks playing Dr. J and the Sixers that night. So thinking about Tom Lagarde, he runs a music venue in North Carolina. All the best to Tom and his wife, Heather. Great guy, great Maverick only for two years, but a great, great guy. We've had some unbelievable guests these last five months. Monica, when you when you think about, you know, just think about the Cowboys, Troy, Troy Aikman, Charles Haley, talking about mental health, Darren Woodson, Stars GM, Jim Neal, President Brad Alberts, Marty Turco, Mavericks head coach, Jason Kidd for crying out loud, Pudge Rodriguez, uh, Mark McLemore, Eric Nadell, lots of Rangers. National guests like Bill Hancock, Bob Bowlesby, Jeff Van Gundy, Vern Lundquist, Kurt Menefee, Ringer media critic, who we love to have it on, Brian Curtis, a Fort Worth guy, lots of local media stalwarts. Uh, you know, we're really fortunate in Dallas-Fort Worth to have great local sports media. And here at the Mic Drop, we just hope you include us in your weekly mix of, of local sports news and conversation about the local teams leagues and uh, and sports business too we're going to have john tatum on shortly to talk about sports business but monica you have a favorite guest or a favorite moment from our our first 25 episodes here of 
the mic drop? Well, Sully, I think it's hard to do that. We've had so many guests, 25 episodes. We have 70-plus uh, guests with us, so a long lineup and a long lineup to go as well. But I have to say that uh, I'm uh, excited of where we're at, uh, you know, starting a, a podcast in a pandemic and uh, – uh, I was a little nervous about that, but I think we've uh, done well. Obviously, Charles Haley and uh, delivering flowers on set was uh, pretty special for me. But, I, you know, I think Vern Lundquist, uh, some of his comments in The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas about made me fall off of my chair here in the in the studio. So that was uh, that was pretty funny as well. Uh, Kurt Menefee and uh, some of the I- advice that, that he gave. Obviously, having uh, uh, greats like Troy Aikman on is... Uh, inspiring in itself and uh you know just being able to have some of these very direct conversations and uh uh, with them has been good dale hansen uh you know we've tackled some uh, pretty important topics and uh, topics that are you know from a sports industry coming out even more and the importance of mental health and the challenges that go along with that so uh and i think one other thing from uh in the podcast it's really opened my eyes to i mean i'm in the sports business every day as well as uh, everyone else that we've had here but it really has opened my eyes to my gosh we really are a uh, top uh, sports destination and we have so much sports business going on here so many um people uh, and organizations that call dallas home and uh, that really makes it special and um i'm glad that they're they're partners of ours and look forward to continuing to uh expand uh some of our our thoughts and the topics that we're going to be talking about here on the podcast yeah the hansen interview was one for the ages and, and you know for our listeners if you can binge ozark you can binge uh, the mic drop so go back and <laughs> and check out some of those past conversations a couple of uh, and i'm grateful by the way monica to the sports commission for letting me be a uh, part of this this has been a blast and we're going to try to keep getting better. That's the goal every week. As Tony Kornheiser says at the close of my favorite show, pardon the interruption every night, we'll try to do better the next time. And, and that's our attitude here at the Mic Drop team. A uh, couple of Mic Drop moments this week. Let's start with Major League Rugby. Uh, our friend George Killebrew, friend of the podcast, past guest. I'm sure we'll have him on again. Friend of John Tatum, who we'll visit with in a minute, uh, with the uh, championship game of Major League Rugby taking place uh, last weekend on CBS, big CBS we're talking about here, from the L.A. Coliseum, in which the L.A. Giltinis, which George told us uh, maybe the only team in pro sports named after a cocktail, the L.A. Giltinis knocked off Rugby ATL 31-17. to CBS so happy about it, they're going to replay it this coming weekend. Of course, the Dallas Jackals start play. Uh, next season uh, so here in uh, Arlington so get ready for that so congratulations to George Killebrew another cool moment this week I thought was Brock Holt stealing home as part of a double steal in the 3-1 win over the Angels the other night for the Rangers the Rangers are starting to have some fun post-trade deadline we've seen some some uh, some good players go but the development is full on with the young players uh Woody said it was the best win of the season so let's let's stay let's stay uh let's keep the faith on the Rangers next week we're going to take a look at Luca Magic at the Olympics as he is doing amazing things for Slovenia so stay tuned for that and Monica what's what's the latest this week at the Sports Commission yeah Sully so uh we just announced that uh Super Classico is be coming back to Cotton Bowl Stadium September 5th we'll have Club America versus Chivas, which is a big uh, Mexican soccer rivalry. So exciting there as 
as we uh, kind of finish up some of our uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup uh, international soccer matches, we had nine of them here uh, within the market amongst Toyota Stadium, Cotton Bowl Stadium, AT&T Stadium, uh, USA just beating Mexico in the final there in, in Las Vegas. Uh, so very important as we go into USA qualifying or actually World Cup qualifying um, for next year. Uh, we just hosted the USA Water Polo uh, Junior National Championships, which uh, over 13 venues here within the DFW area. Uh, we had our WWE first uh, local organizing committee uh, meeting for WrestleMania. So uh, good things coming uh, there. Uh, some special announcements. Uh, we'll talk about ticket on sales uh, in the upcoming weeks. And uh, that one should be really special. Be the first uh, WrestleMania coming out of uh, the pandemic uh, and hopefully uh, back to full capacity for, for that. Uh, last time we hosted it in 2016, we set a record. So uh, our local organizing committee and, and WWE is really focused on, okay, what is that next level? How can we make it uh, bigger and better? Uh, a lot of community events that we'll be planning uh, with various nonprofits uh, in the in the DFW community. So very, very, very exciting. I think WWE does it uh, best in terms of uh, how they really engage the community for a full week. Uh, and then uh, just working on a future bid for the CrossFit Games to see if we can get it back here uh, in, the, in the Dallas area. So uh, a lot of things uh, moving uh, here. No, no events necessarily in August, but uh, so give us a little break as we uh, rare into football season here. Well, way to go. Best of luck with uh, reeling in the CrossFit games and some of these other things. Uh, and, and I know uh, the planning for, for WrestleMania will not only be productive, but also fun, uh, knowing a little bit about Stephanie McMahon and, and that, uh, that crew. All right. So good show for you today. Once again, back in a moment to talk about how the sports business landscape has changed with Genesco Sports Enterprises CEO and founder John Tatum. First, over to Rachel Scoggins with a word from one of our sponsors. Powerhands is a global athletic training and rehabilitation product tech company that enhances human performance through the designs, innovative technology. If you are a coach, athlete, fitness enthusiast, Powerhands is for you. Who doesn't want to improve their overall performance and recovery? Even better, Powerhands is Dallas-based and a portion of every product purchased. Helps provide athletic and academic programs to youth and underserved communities. Go to powerhands.com and improve your athletic performance today. Thanks, Rach. Very happy to have John Tatum with us. John founded Genesco Sports Enterprises here in Dallas back in 1994. GSE is a full-service sports marketing consulting firm that creates, creates unique sports marketing strategies and innovative sales solutions for many of the world's top brands. Get a load of this, this hit parade. Pepsi, Frito-Lay, Anheuser-Busch, Coors, MasterCard, Visa, American Airlines, Motorola, Verizon, T-Mobile, we could go on. Uh, but, but GSE puts these big brands together with events, with teams, with athletes in a way that helps them drive business. John is regarded among the top leaders and influencers in the sports business industry. Also a member of the Doak Walker Award Board of Directors. Welcome to the mic drop, John. Well, thank you, Sully. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. So, John, um, I get this question a lot. Can you kind of walk some of our listeners into uh, how GSE works in terms of how do you put these big brands together with uh, teams, events, athletes? What, what does all that take and what are you looking for there? Sure, Monica. Well, you know, really, we're a, a marketing brand agency that just 
lives in the sports world. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to sell Pepsi beverage products or Frito-Lay salty snack products or figure out how to get people to fly more on American Airlines or, or uh, you know, consider uh, T-Mobile uh, for their, their uh, you know, coverage. Um, and, and, you know, we do that by building their brands and, and differentiating their brands from their competitors. And, and how we do that is, is through finding the, the right property, the right sport, the right league or team or maybe talent. Uh, you know, just to have them help them break through the clutter. Um, but at the end of the day for us, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all about the brands. It's all about major corporations. It's all about helping them, guiding them, advising them on, you know, this is who they're trying to uh, communicate to. This is who they're trying to attract as a customer um, and, and building a, a strategy or a solution for them that says, well, maybe you ought to consider, you know, the NFL, or maybe you ought to consider college football, or perhaps it's high school football. Um, maybe it's motorsports. Maybe it's uh, Major League Baseball. Um, so, you know, we really uh, run the gamut of all the major North American sports leagues and properties and teams. But, but at the end of the day, all our clients obviously are are the major brands and corporate clients that. Sully graciously uh, ran through a partial list. So, John, uh, you know, a lot of sports organizations, well, organizations in general, uh, had to pivot during COVID, had to change some of their models. How has all of this really changed what, what you do or what brands are doing or, or even leagues that, that you're seeing? Well, Monica, th- since uh, I call it 311, uh, because everyone remembers Sully was working for the president on 9-11 and, and uh, 3-11 was, uh, was the day that the sports world stopped rotating and, uh, and obviously everything shut down and, and uh, we learned several things. I mean, one is that sports uh, without fans, uh, spectator sports without spectators, you know, really is not sports. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, so as we started looking at all these contracts and agreements, we really had to go through with each client and say, okay, what was getting canceled? Uh, where do we need to get refunds, cash back rebates? Um, maybe we changed some different assets, uh, because, you know, obviously hospitality, there wasn't any hospitality going on. So, so we would, uh, change to more digital signage or, or, uh, you saw a lot of the, uh, uh, seat covers, um, you know, that, uh, that the NFL implemented and, and a lot of leagues, you know, I think the NBA was very innovative, uh, with a lot of their courtside programs, um, that Michelob Ultra was a part of. So, uh, you know, really uh, everything, changed after 311 uh that oklahoma uh city thunder game shut down and then the 12th and i had been in uh, arizona the week before on the on the uh, march 4th and 5th with the baseball commissioner and and uh they had a a, a summit a partner summit out in arizona and um, so you know we were just on the phone with the commissioners to say you know is when you know when is baseball going to start is the uh, all-star game was supposed to be played in Los Angeles at Dodger stadium. And, um, 
And, uh, you know, was that going to be the first game back? Um, and, um, so it was, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of work, uh, during that, that 311 and immediate post 311 period, but, uh, hopefully we're, we're back. Um, we've got a, uh, a resurgence of, you know, fans attending games. And, and so, uh, hopefully, um, God willing, we're back to the pre 311. I'm I'm with you, John. There, my fingers are crossed that we're we're back. Uh, uh, the Delta variant, I have to say, does uh, scare me a little bit, but uh, it's been fun over these last four months here in the DFW area to be out at events and kind of just see the joy and passion on a, on a lot of fans' faces, just to be out and be able to experience sports uh, here in in person. So, um, obviously, a lot of change over this last year, year and a half. Uh, more change going on in the college landscape. Uh, name, image, and likeness. John, how does that affect uh, your business and other opportunities for, for some of your brands? Well, it, it affects it a lot. I mean, it, it uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a very uh, uh, entrepreneurial type person and mindset. So I like things that uh, are less restrictive or when, you know, people open up the markets, right? I, I like to see the NFL consider uh, sports betting partners, because obviously in my business, that gives some of my clients a new opportunity. So I, I, I like and, and support the, the NIL opportunities. I, I believe that these kids, you know, uh, shouldn't be handicapped, um, because they're supposedly getting obviously a free education. I think one thing, Monica, that's interesting, I've, I've got uh, a good some good friends of mine that uh, have an agency out of Chicago and they produce um, a lot of the big high school uh, basketball games, football games, things like that, uh, the ESPN uh, airs. And one of the games that, that they were producing is uh, the Highland Park Scots versus uh, yeah. South Lake Carroll Dragons on August 28th at, uh, at, uh, at Jerry's, uh, cathedral uh and uh and now uh i i was a little disappointed that the uil uh rejected uh quinn ewer's uh request to you know be able to earn um uh maybe some extra money or whatever the case may be but uh that that's going to impact that game because obviously he's uh he's not going to play and uh and he's going to start his career at ohio state i mean you know, some people think, oh, high school, that's, that's too young, but you, you know, you got a lot of kids in high school that are, uh, you know, Instagram or, or Twitter or, you know, these social media gurus and, and they're making money in a, and, and so I hate to see a situation like what happened, you know, recently with Quinn Ewers, but, but I, uh, I think it's good. Uh, anything that creates transactions, anything that creates, economic freedom, entrepreneurialism, and, and opportunity, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on. John, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an SMU grad student right now. So a lot of our students, you know, a lot of our recent graduates are trying to get into partnerships and marketing. What would you say the best advice would be to completing your first activation deal or uh, marketing deal? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I came to Dallas, uh, let's see, almost 30 years ago. 
1992. And uh, prior to that, I'd worked for a couple of sports marketing agencies. Uh, you know, everybody starts off in sports. The first thing they, they think of is, oh, I want to be an agent, right? I want to represent <laughs> Dak Prescott, you know, and, and, and Dak's a great guy and he's a great friend. But uh, I learned uh, through, you know, previous career experience and then going to an advertising agency in Dallas called Tracy Locke uh, in 1992 that I wanted to be on the brand side. You know, uh, I, I wanted to represent uh, Pepsi and, and uh, Frito-Lay and uh, Sleep Number, right? You see Dak in those Sleep Number commercials or Campbell's Soup. Uh, you know, those are all my clients. Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser, the official beer of the NFL. So I think it's, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, let's see, 2006, Super Bowl forty. Uh, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, spend, uh, uh, some time with, uh, uh, Jerry Jones. Uh, he gave me a lift home from Detroit and, uh, and, you know, anytime you're around Jerry, you need to take advantage of asking questions because you learn a lot. And I asked him, you know, I'll never forget 15 years ago, I said, uh, Jerry, what is it about you or, Mark Cuban or, or Bill Gates or Michael Dell, you know, what is it? Um, do you have three eyes? You know, you've got two brains where us mortals only have one, you know, what, you know, what's the secret to your success? And I'll never forget. He looked at me and, uh, and, and he, he said, uh, John, one thing, passion. And I've always thought about that word passion. And, uh, and I've seen it, you know, been around a lot of successful people. I've been very fortunate. I've been around people in politics. I've seen, you know, a friend of mine, John McCain, you know, I, I, uh, I watched his campaign in December, December 4th of 2007. I, I spent an 18 hour day with him in New Hampshire. Sully will know this. And, uh, and he was the sixth choice for Republicans, none of the above. And then John McCain was option number six. And, uh, and this guy just willed himself going to these town hall meetings and talking and hooks at New Hampshire and Nashua, New Hampshire, and all these towns that, that Sully knows well. 30 days later, I went up to go see him again, January 7, 2008, and he won the New Hampshire primary. And then two weeks later, he won South Carolina. And two weeks later, he won Super Tuesday. And then 30 days later, he was in Dallas, Texas. He had won Ohio and Texas. So in the course of 30 days, he resurrected his campaign. 90 days, he went from dead to the Republican nominee for president in 2008. And I'll tell you how he did it. He did it with one thing, and that's passion. And every billionaire, multi-billionaire that I've ever been around, everybody that's been successful, has been maniacally passionate about something right whether it's jeff bezos figuring out how to use this this thing that al gore created called the internet to you know move books and then move records so so marcus i would say to all the 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 young graduates at smu and i i love smu i went i went to that sec school in austin the university of texas so uh uh but uh but i'm i'm very involved at smu i'm on the uh gene Tower Cox is a is a dear friend and and she's got me on the Tower Center you know uh, uh, board and I'm on the 
as Sully said, I'm on the Doak Walker board, the SMU Athletic Forum board. I love SMU, a lot of talented. I've got a lot of talented employees that, that were started as interns and they, they came from SMU. So I would tell the, the, the young graduates, do you love advertising? Okay. Well, if you love advertising, then that, that's your passion and that's an opportunity to get into sports advertising. Do you love marketing? Do you love statistics? Do you love, um, you know, understanding consumer behavior and trends? Because that's what we're doing, right? You know, we're trying to figure out, hey, what's that next seltzer? You know, what, what, nobody knew what a seltzer was until about two years ago, right? Now everybody's drinking seltzers. So if you understand, you know, marketing and statistics and, and uh, you know, analytics, uh, you can be a huge success in sports. Um, all, all we're doing is, again, leveraging the passion and the, and the tribalism of sports to, to translate that to selling some beer, some soft drinks. Go open up an account at Comerica Bank because, you know, you enjoy the Comerica, uh, you know, the, the uh, Comerica suite level at the American Airlines Center, right? You know, you have a great experience. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what I would tell everybody is the quicker you can identify and get a hold of your passion, the, the faster you'll be on your track to success. Well, John, fascinating stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. And by the way, I, I bet you would say that being based in Dallas, I know, I know GSC has offices in other cities, but I bet you would say that being based in Dallas is a competitive advantage for your firm with all the corporate headquarters we have and the relationship building you can do. Ab absolutely. I mean, there's no greater, no greater place. I, we have about 13 offices, uh, you know, around the, around the country. And, and, uh, and I love, obviously traveling and, and seeing my clients face to face, but I'll tell you, there is no greater, you know, place in the, in the galaxy than North Texas, uh, the greatest, you know, companies, the greatest people, the greatest airport, uh, the world's greatest airline to get you one flight, wherever you want to go. So, uh, absolutely. The it's, it's, uh, North Texas is, is, uh, is God's country for sure. All right. Thanks, John Tatum. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events, whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches. Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rach. It is now our distinct pleasure to be joined by Rick Gosling. He's covered the NFL for 49 years. He started when he was seven years old. He's been a Hall of Fame voter for 26 years. The last 20 is the Dallas representative. You know him from his many years at the Dallas Morning News, 1990 to 2016, where he covered the Cowboys and more. Uh, in fact, the first time I met Rick, he was assigned to document the arrival of Rodney McRae onto the Dallas Mavericks roster way back in 1990 when he was brand new at the Morning News from Kansas City. Uh, he was, of course, a columnist for many years at the Morning News. 
Now we had Shereen Williams on Goose a few weeks ago, and we talked about her being a Dick McCann Award winner, as as you are. Uh, so this means that that kind of like like Cy Sperling in the Hair Club for Men, he wasn't just the president of the company; he was a member. So Rick Goslin is not just a Hall of Fame voter; he is a member of the Hall of Fame and the media wing there as a recipient of the Dick McCann Award. So thanks so much for joining us, Goose. So let's start by telling us how does this work? How do, how how does somebody become a, a voter, and how do you actually cast your votes? Well, there are 48 voters on the panel. And when I got in back in 1988, I was covering the Kansas City Chiefs, and they have one voter for every NFL team or city. So there were 28 of us voting, and now they've expanded to 32. And they've since added a lot, like 16 at-large births. They've got a couple Hall of Famers, past Hall of Famers that are among the at-large. Uh, Tony Dungy, Bill Polian, James Lofton, Dan Fouts. So there are 48 total, but one, one from every city. I'm the Dallas rep. Shreen is the at-large, one, one of the 16 at-large representatives. You got to do it a long time. Uh, I was, again, Kansas City was one newspaper town. Uh, Joe McGuff was a sports editor of the Kansas City Star at the time when he stepped down. I was the beat reporter for the Chiefs, so I was logical to be, to be the guy there. I did that four years, moved to Dallas, and then uh, Frank was the Dallas rep, Frank Luxa. And when Frank stepped down in 2001, they put me on because I had some past experience on the board, knew how the whole thing worked, and, uh, you know, I was covering pro football in Dallas. Well, obviously... Uh, Huge weekend at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton this weekend. Cliff Harris and Jimmy Johnson going in uh, Saturday as part of the 2020 Centennial class. 2021 inductee Drew Pearson going in on Sunday. So first, as a voter, how do you define a Hall of Famer? Way back in the 80s, when I first got on the board, one of the older guys told me, was he one of the three best players at his position during his era. And if you use that as a cutoff, that's, that's a pretty good place to start. Now, in Drew Pearson's case, he was voted first team all decade, as was Cliff Harris. And if you're first team all decade, that is a rubber stamp to Ken. Like 95% of all the first team all decade players are in the Hall of Fame. It got to a point where the only two players from the 1970s All-Decade team, of the 22 players, only two were not in, Drew Pearson and Cliff Harris. And I pounded the table for those players for that reason. First ballot hall, first uh, team All-Decade should be a rubber stamp. Why hasn't Drew Pearson been enshrined? Why hasn't Cliff Harris been enshrined? I'm also on the senior committee. And our job is we're tasked to find players that have fallen through the cracks, find the players that we missed and resurrect their candidacies. Both Drew and um, Cliff Harris got in through that senior portal. Cliff got in along with Jimmy in the centennial class and Drew got in as the one representative for the, uh, the one senior uh, nominee from the class of 2020. So that's, that's how they got in. Why do you think... Why do you think they were overlooked for so long? It's, you know, seems to be obvious that they should have been in. Oh, the, the problem is there are too many, too many worthy candidates and too few seats. Pro football has the most 
teams of all the sports, they have the most starting players. Baseball has nine. Hockey has five, six. Basketball has five. Football has 22. And we're putting in the same size classes as, as baseball. We're five per year. And, you know, in the senior pool, I've got a list of 92 players that I think deserve to be discussed. They had careers that were worthy of discussion. There are 58 all-decade players in the senior pool, and 52 have never been discussed. If you are one of the best players of your era, you deserve to be discussed. 52 of these guys have never been discussed. This, this list I've got, I've got uh, players that were nine-time Pro Bowlers. There's a guy named Maxi Bond who played linebacker for Philadelphia and the Rams in the 60s. In the 1960 decade, from 1960 through 1969, he went to nine Pro Bowls in 10 years. He went to more Pro Bowls in that 1960 decade than the four all-decade linebackers combined. Maxie Bond has never been discussed as a Hall of Fame finalist. And that's why a, a, a Drew Pearson and a Cliff Harris, if they slip through the cracks, and again, the Cowboys, you know, the Steelers were represented. They, they won four Super Bowls. They now have 11 players in Canton. They all win in fairly quickly. The Cowboys went to five Super Bowls, won two. They now have nine players in from the 1970s, but four of them went in in the last 16 years as senior candidates. So the, the, the Hall of Fame did catch up, but it isn't, it isn't like a player is slighted. It's somehow you, you've fallen through the cracks. You didn't, Drew would never have been a finalist. For whatever reason, he was never voted one of the 15 finalists. And I tell the Cowboy people, until you're a finalist, you're not a Hall of Fame candidate. Because that's the only time all year we discuss Hall of Fame players when we discuss those 15 finalists. So Drew had never been discussed. He had never been discussed until he got to the senior committee, or to the centennial class. And I was surprised they put in uh, Harold Carmichael over Drew at that point. But bottom line is we still fixed it, and Drew got in the next year. Now, you say we fixed it. I remember uh, speaking to you in, in Tampa on the day that you performed this service for Bob Hayes's candidacy, ultimately successfully. But you, you've got journalistic DNA coursing through your, through your veins also, Goose. I mean, does it feel unusual to be put in what seems to be the role of almost an advocate uh, for a player? Talk about that a little bit. Well, you, you want to do what's right. You know, of course, I'm the Dallas rep. <laughs> and if I think a Dallas player is worthy, I try to get him out front. But as a senior, a member of the senior committee, I'm not the Dallas advocate. There are only nine of us on the senior committee. We're supposed to do the right thing and find the guys who have been overlooked. Um, you know, I was an advocate for Mick Tinglehoff. I was an advocate for Jerry Kramer. I was an advocate for Johnny Robinson, Les Richter, Jack Butler. I thought each of those guys was probably the best player not in at the time that we nominated him. And again, you're trying to do the right thing. There are, the senior committee has been around for 50 years and the Cowboys have had five senior nominees. You know, Bob Hayes has seen nominee twice. There are four or five teams that have never had a nominee. The Baltimore, the Indianapolis Colts, New England Patriots, San Diego Chargers, Cincinnati Bengals, New Orleans Saints have never had a senior nominee in 50 years. 
And I, you know, the, I, I tell the Cowboy people, the senior committee is not a clearinghouse for any one team. You want to find the guys that are the, the, the woeful omissions. Every franchise has three to five guys that it believes belongs in the Hall of Fame. And we get to bring out one senior a year. So there are a lot of dissatisfied people with our selection each year. You know, I fought, tried to keep the two senior nominees. It, it doesn't really move the log jam along, along, but again, I got 92 player services to be discussed and we're putting in one a year. This log jam will never uh, be broken up. And there are a lot of Hall of Fame players that will can as a result. So, Rick, looking uh, down the road, 10 years, 20 years from now, which current or, or recent Cowboy players might need a boost, similar to uh, Cliff Harris to, and Drew Pearson, to get into that Hall of Fame? I think Darren Woodson would be a good candidate. And I think the reason his candidacy has moved along to this point is because uh, Leroy Butler of the Packers uh, is a final, will probably be a finalist. He is the only first-team all-decade player from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, not in. Darren Woodson did not make the 1990 All-Decade team, so I don't think his candidacy is going to move along until Leroy Butler is resolved. Once Leroy gets his bust, and hopefully it'll be this year, then we look at other safeties, and I think Darren Woodson will be a guy we look at. But, you know, the clock is ticking on his candidacy, and he may be a guy that winds up in a senior pool. I'll be long gone he gets a senior pool. But he's a guy that I think has been shorted, who is, should have had his case heard by now. But again, he's one of many. You know, I talked about every franchise believes it has three to five players that are worthy. The Cowboys, even with their numbers, they're, they're, they're fifth all time among players in the Hall of Fame. You can make a case for Harvey Martin, Chuck Howley, Leroy Jordan, Everson Walls, John Nyland, Ralph Neely, Cornell Green, now, of that list, maybe one or two will get in. There are just so many qualified candidates that slip through the cracks, and we don't have enough seats at the table. And that's the issue. Players don't, aren't slighted. There just are not, aren't enough seats at the table. With only five going in each year in the modern era, great players slide like Maxi Bond and Drew Pearson. So uh, one of the things we, we look forward to uh, during this weekend, obviously acceptance speeches. What should we uh, expect from Jimmy Johnson's uh, accept, acceptance speech? Uh, he'll be short. He'll be one of the shorter ones, I think. <laughs> I think Jimmy is a guy that uh, he's not a small talk guy. He's, he doesn't, doesn't, he's not a guy that is a cabet sir. He'll, he'll say what he needs to say. They're going to try to enforce the eight-minute time limit. On, on the inductees this year, especially Saturday, where you have so many people talking. Um, the presenters will all be taped, which is good. And then everybody they're asking, oh, the, the Peyton Manning's, Jimmy Johnson's, keep it to eight minutes. I'm told that Manning plans to keep it to eight minutes. Jimmy, I think, will probably come in around six. Uh, if they don't, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that they, they hold to it. These speeches <clears throat> are shorter because in years past, when Ray Lewis was, was, he was the last guy to speak. And I knew what was coming. When he put that, that mic on his lapel, it was going to be a walk around speech. After the sixth honoree before Ray, I left the press box. I got in my car. And as I was driving by the stadium, going back to Cleveland, Ray was on the stage. I got back to Cleveland 40 minutes later, and Ray was still on the stage. So you can't have 
you can't have 40, 45 minute talks. What, the year that Tim Brown and um, Jerome Bettis went in, both of them talked over 35 minutes. It's not fair. It's not fair to all the people that played by the rules for the first 50 years that kept their speeches short. It's not fair to the Hall of Famer sitting on the stage. Say what you have to say. I mean, some, some players are thanking their barbers. I mean, come on. Just say that people, say thanks to people that had an impact in your life and in your career that put you on that stage. You can do it in seven, eight minutes. Rick, as we let you go, you've covered a few Olympics in, in your day as well. Yes, any any mm -hmm. thoughts on uh, on Tokyo? Sure, we're sort of fans there. I mean, it's, it's such a great event. It's such a great fan event. It's just, you know, the ones I covered, the, the access, I covered the 76 in Montreal. I covered the U.S. basketball. That was uh, Bill Ford and Dean Smith and Ken Benson, Scott May. I covered the, I was a general reporter in 80 in LA covering just a number of different topics. And I covered the winners in Calgary in 88. And I love covering the winners. Those less media and much better access. So I kind of look forward more to the winners than I do the summers. The summers are more show. The winners I thought were more sport. So I, I always enjoy the Olympics, but uh, my, my heart's with the Winter Olympics. Well, thanks for joining us today, Goose. And what I know is a really busy time for you. And thanks for breaking it down for us. Some great insights on, on what to look forward to uh, this weekend from, from Canton. So uh, appreciate your time, Goose. And now over to Rachel. We'll be back with Keith Russell from CBS in 11 in a minute. Over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Happy to be joined now by Keith Russell, been a sports anchor at CBS 11 since March of 2015, had a couple stints in Philly, was an anchor at ESPN for five years. Welcome to the mic drop, Keith. Uh, thanks, Kev. Thanks for having me, man. Now, you are you are helping tell the Drew Pearson story, among the other things that you're covering this weekend. You had a, uh, an, a fascinating interview with Drew that aired last weekend that we we have a, you provided a clip for us. And Let's play this clip. In addition to, to Keith's interview with, with Drew, you're going to hear from his former teammates, Roger Staubach, Doug Donnelly, and Cliff Harris in this clip. But let's play this short clip, and then we'll get Keith's reaction to it. Oh, I'd love to be able to have the 48 minutes like Ray Lewis had to thank everybody in the world. He thanked the people he didn't even know. He sank the ballet guy that parked his car today at the Hall of Fame, you know? Eight-minute time limit on the speech. Ken Drew, I mean, we're, we're all talking about over-under. Yeah. <laughs> With Drew. <laughs> what advice do you have for Drew to stay within his time frame, Roger? It could be tough. He says he has it down. We'll see. We'll see if that really happens. I know they're going to not cut him off at eight minutes because, you know, he's, got, he's going to go longer than that for his speech. He, he said he's been trying to self-edit. I don't know how that's working, but he said he's been trying to self-edit. He can't, can't even say hello in eight minutes. 
What I want to do, as far as leading off this thing, I wanted to make it difficult for the next guys to follow. They said, oh, Lord, how are we going to follow Drew? And that's what I hope to do. That's a great, great uh, piece there, Keith. So what, where do you set the over-under, and do you think, what, what should we expect from Drew's uh, speech in terms of his uh, reflections and thank yous? Um, I know it's going to be emotional. I will piggyback on what uh, Goose was just um, saying on his uh, portion of the podcast, which is everyone has been challenged to stay within that eight-minute time limit. Uh, I know the 2021 class, which features Drew Pearson and Peyton Manning, they have all within their own class, separate from the 2020 class, which features Jimmy Johnson and Cliff Harris. They've made a pact that no one goes more than eight minutes. However, we know Drew is uh, a showman. We know Drew eats up the spotlight. And, and part of the piece we did was just on how much he embraces this moment. We all saw the fallout. I was there in his house in Plano when he got snubbed. It was the most uncomfortable setting ever. So for him to make it in, uh, he's going to do this thing up. Will he stay within his time? I think he'll be close. I don't think he'll go egregiously over eight minutes, but no one deserves that spotlight in that moment more than Drew Pearson. So if he goes a little bit over, no harm, no foul. I think he'll be close. I don't think it'll be 48 minutes like he said he hoped he had like Ray Lewis had. That will never happen again, but I think it'll be close. And I also think uh, he'll thank his family. I think he'll touch on the fact that um, his career started as an undrafted free agent. It ended with his tragic car accident where he lost his brother in that car accident. He would never play another NFL game again. He's going to touch on that. He's going to thank all of his teammates. He's part of the most famous play in NFL history. Roger Stahlbach is presenting him. And yes, Roger's portion will be on tape. But for Roger to walk out onto that stage in Canton with Drew, that's priceless in and of itself. I think it's going to be a speech, like he said, that's one to remember, and it will be a tough act to follow. He, he, as long as he's waited to, to get this moment, let's, let's cut him a little bit of slack maybe. I, I did see uh, that David Baker, the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, has talked about how they, they required the inductees to submit their speeches in advance, uh, which doesn't mean you're not going to freelance a little bit. Uh, he also said, and, and David Baker stands six feet nine. I'm not sure what he weighs, but he's, he's a big, a big guy. <laughs> big and dude. Uh, I, I got to know him in, in my NBC sports years when he was the commissioner of the Arena Football League. And he's a great guy and funny. But he has said, I will go to the podium and pull somebody off. And he's big enough to do it. Uh, but hopefully that 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 won't that won't uh, happen in, in 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 Drew's case, and I know it will be emotional, and I expect it to be a wonderful uh, speech. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I hope for his sake uh, that David Baker doesn't have to come <laughs> and pull him off because there's a definite size advantage on uh, David Baker's side. But uh, in addition to Drew, he leads off on Sunday. Uh, Cliff Harris goes in from the class of 2020. I sat down with him as well. Ironically, I sat down with Cliff Harris two days before I sat down with Drew at Cliff's house in Dallas. And he's the second speaker of the day on Saturday. And it, they, they're polar opposites. But I came away thinking, here these two guys are, played on the same team. Uh, uh, they call each other. Uh, they, they say they're like brothers to one another. But they're such different people. 
Cliff Harris is more like, you know what? I'll take it as it comes. He just got back from a trip to Ireland. That's how he's preparing for this trip to Canton, Ohio. He went on a golfing trip with his buddies. He told me he's, he's a little nervous about his speech, but he's going to also come from the angle of being an undrafted free agent from a little small school, Wachita Baptist in Arkansas, now a school that has the stadium named after him, and how he started from the very first moment he became a cowboy until the day he went to Tom Landry's home and informed the legendary coach that he couldn't do it anymore. Charlie Waters will present them. They are thicker than thieves. They're, 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 they're like blood. But for Charlie Waters to present him, it, it means the world to Cliff. And, and just what he was able to do, and, and the Cowboys never finishing outside the top 10 in defense during his entire career, playing in five Super Bowls, winning two, that's remarkable in and of itself. I can't wait for that one. And I can't wait for Jimmy Johnson's speech as he's next to last on Saturday. Well, Keith and Sully, I'm going to go with 12 minutes. I don't think that's too bad for Drew. 12 minutes, uh, I, I think, is is fair. So uh, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, Keith, uh, one of the things we're excited about here is, is Hard Knocks uh, coming out on Tuesday. What are you expecting or what should we expect uh, to see? Uh, Monica, you're going to see a lot of cameras. <laughs> I mean, from, from our photojournalist who just got back from Oxnard, California, he said with new COVID restrictions, they have the local media positioned a little further back this year than in years past. But he said, you wouldn't believe these guys are all over the field, these hard knocks guys. So the fact that Mike McCarthy said when he first got informed that hard knocks was going to be a part of Cowboys training camp, and he almost drove off the side of the road. <laughs> I think you're going to see a lot of stuff that I can't even predict. I, I know it's going to focus heavily on Dak's comeback and what a trooper Dak is. I mean, the guy, every time he talks, I'm like, that's motivational speaking 101. Every time I'm just riveted and I'm no longer even a media member. I'm trying to take some of that into my system. So I think you'll see a lot of Dak. I think you'll see a lot of the rookie, the first round pick, Micah Parsons. And I think you'll see, uh, they'll feature Zeke, uh, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. I think he might be the star of this series because boy, is he a personality. Well, that, that's been a, a question that we've asked a lot of, uh, of, uh, of our guests of like, who would be the personality? Who were they going to be focusing on? So, uh, we're definitely interested to see that. Um, we've been asking our guests to make a prediction. Uh, are, is this Cowboys team a playoff team? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And that NFC East, how can they not be? I mean, the Eagles are terrible. The Washington football team is terrible. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, he'll give you a couple wins, and then he'll give you a lot of interceptions. I think the uh, closest challenger to the Cowboys this year in the division is the New York Giants with getting Saquon Barkley back. And a lot of people don't like Daniel Jones, but they did beef up their receiving core. And, and I think the New York Giants will come in a close second but I really think this can be a banner year for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I don't know what that means. I know it's hard for it's hard to predict them to go a long way when it's been so long. <laughs> and the guys that I'm going to see in Canton, Ohio, are the last guys to go a long way. So, but I do believe this is their time. It has never been more. Uh, it's never been the stage has never been set better for the Dallas Cowboys to make some noise 
than it is this year. That defense is greatly improved without even playing a game. I know it's greatly improved. I think the Cowboys can push a couple rounds, and I think they can contend this year. I really do. Well, Keith, this is the portion of the program where we ask our guests to let us know what they're streaming. What are you downloading these days? I know you're a movie buff. Not sure if you've gone back to the theater yet, but what are you downloading? Could be a book, podcast, music, movie, TV. What, what are you watching, streaming, and downloading these days? Um, I, I, I am a movie buff. Uh, Quiet Place, part two. Oh, I watched that the other day. I was on my couch. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I am not a good guy when it comes to horror films. I was jumping at every turn. And my girl kept saying, what are you doing? And I was like, you're not scared by that? <laughs> you wouldn't be scared by that? I mean, that thing was coming. It felt like it was coming into my living room. So Quiet Place Part 2, uh, I've seen. I've started tapping into some different shows like, um, uh, what is it? White Lotus? Right. White Lotus and, and HBO. HBO. Oh my God, I love that show. I mean, it's so weird, but it's so good. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait for each and every Sunday night to watch that thing. So um, I do want to go uh, over my, my next couple of days. I have a couple of days off before I head to Canton, Ohio. I, I have to see Jungle Cruise. I got to see Jungle Cruise. And you're going to see it in the theater. I think I'm going to go to the uh, theater in Terrell. Okay. And um, Escape Room. Oh, okay. I'm leaving out the best part. The Purge. That's I have rough. seen every second of every Purge. It's sick, but I love it. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're seeing a different yeah. side of, of Keith Russell than we see on CBS 11. Yeah. But and I would I, never and Purge. I, I would and never I love purge. it. So let's, Keith, let's see what Monica is, uh, is streaming and downloading these days. Well, Sully, it's still a lot of late night and early morning Olympic coverage. Obviously, I follow my USA Volleyball women's national team, and uh, uh, they were playing last night, and uh, obviously the beach teams that are still in it. But uh, uh, this weekend I was down at the lake and uh, needed a little break from Olympic coverage, so I uh, binge-watched the entire season two of Outer Banks. So uh, I think it just came out over the weekend, so... Um, a lot of outer banks so now i think some of my my team members at the at the office there there are outer banks watchers as well so i'm trying to keep it in of what happened this uh, second season well keith I, I listen to everything monica tells me she she's the she's you know our fearless leader here with the sports commission so i watched because i've been very monogamous with my olympic commitment here uh as well but i did last night out of solidarity to the mic drop crew, I watched episode one of season one of Outer Banks. Oh. And it's, you know, you never give me a bump steer, Monica, but I don't know if I'm going to be watching episode two. But, yeah, but, well, uh, it took me a while to get past episode one, two. Uh, you know, I think, you know, part of season two, those young kids did some stupid stuff and said stupid things. And I'm like, shut up. Just shut up. What are you doing? You, you were in the clear. So, um, yeah, it took me a little bit to get through it, but uh, it, it was still good. I took it. I took the recommendation of some of my younger, my younger staff. So, Sully, live a little, live a little younger these days. All right, maybe where I'll give you, it one more where try. Where do you see Outer Banks? Because now Netflix. you guys, have I have it on Netflix. Internet. Netflix. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to Outer Banks. I'm okay, going to Outer Banks. check it out, Keith, and let me know. We'll have to compare notes later and and uh, and let Monica know how we how we feel about it. <laughs> Uh, and Keith, all the best on your trip to Canton. We've, of course, got the game on Thursday. 
Jimmy Johnson on Saturday, Drew Pearson on Sunday. Uh, thank you for your time and for joining us. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to Keith Russell, CBS 11, Rick Goslin, and John Tatum. Uh, another terrific show. Enjoyed every, every bit of it. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Chris Amelia, Marcus Carr, Olivia Petnicki, the crew at Vocal Media and Mike Drop Tower in Addison, and showrunner Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody. The recording has come.